Today's scripture is from the book of Acts, chapter 8, 26 to 40. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the Lord, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important officer in charge of all the treasury of the Kenge, or Ganache, which means the king of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot, and stay near it. Then Philip went up to the chariot and heard the men reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of the scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a ship to the slaughter, and as a lamb before his shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the goodness upon Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized them. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. This is the word of God. Every Sunday, well, except for Communion Sundays, when we dedicate our offering here at Claremont Presbyterian Church, we pray, Lord, we offer you our gifts and we offer you ourselves. Send us into the world each day as living offerings of your grace and your peace. But what does that look like in real life? 
In many ways, the stories that the church remembers together during this season between Easter and Pentecost are examples of how Jesus' followers discovered in the weeks and the months after that first Easter morning what it meant to carry the living presence of Jesus Christ into the world. We remember these stories together because each of us, each person, and each new generation of the church has to rediscover what it means to be living offerings of Jesus' grace and peace in our particular time, in our particular place. The story of Philip on the wilderness road is full of rich examples of how this works. First, let's talk about why Philip is where he is at the beginning of our story today. The story today begins right in the middle of the eighth chapter of Acts, but all the verses that lead up to that part talk about how Philip is, uh, talk about how Philip has been going all around Samaria telling people about Jesus. And in some ways, this isn't all that surprising because in his last moments with the disciples, Jesus tells them, you will be my witnesses in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So you might think, ah, here's Philip in Samaria. Obviously, the disciples have developed a five-year strategic plan for how they are going to put Jesus' words into action. But you would be wrong about that. Remember, last week, we heard the story about Stephen, a deacon who got so enthusiastic about his work with the poor and the vulnerable, the widows and the orphans, that he ended up in big trouble with the authorities. In fact, they killed Stephen and began persecuting the rest of Jesus' followers as well. So they had to get out of town. They had to leave Jerusalem and scatter into Judea and Samaria. So that's how Philip ended up in Samaria in the first part of the eighth chapter of Acts. He's there not because of some carefully constructed strategic plan that the disciples have made. Philip was in Samaria as a living offering of Christ's grace and peace because he was in danger, he and the rest of Jesus' followers back in Jerusalem. That's why he's available when today's story begins to go on assignment from the angel of the Lord. Now here's what I think. I think if there had been no trouble over Stephen and his ministry, no danger to the community, no urgent need to get out of town, the disciples might have stayed in Jerusalem for years, decades maybe. They might have stayed right where they were, making slow, incremental progress and getting the Jesus movement established in their own zip code, all the while tweaking their long-range plan to get that gospel out to Judea and Samaria and the world really soon. Probably next year. The angel said to Philip, get up and go towards the south to the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza, and this is a wilderness rose. So, Philip got up, and he went. I would like to suggest that 
It is a reality of human nature that good intentions alone rarely propel us to get up and go down that wilderness road. We hear the angel's voice, we respond to something that has created for us a sense of urgency, a sense of life and death, do or die, now or never, the, some, the sense that something vital is at stake. So as you consider, how do I live out this prayer? How do I be a living offering of Christ's grace and peace? Think about what is that urgent thing for you? What is driving you out of your comfort zone and down to the wilderness road? What has filled you with a sense of urgency? Is it something you've heard on the news about the environment or health care or poverty or racism or the plight of refugees? Is it a relationship in your life that needs to change? A situation at work, a crisis on the campus where you go to school? Is it the homeless person you pass on your way to the office every day? Is it people that you know who are struggling to find meaning and purpose in their lives? Is it our church realizing that our, our old delivery systems for passing on our faith to new generations don't seem to be working as well as they used to? What is that thing that's filling you with a sense of urgency? Because it is that thing, that thing that's filling you with urgency, that probably is at the heart of where and how you are called to be a living offering of Christ's grace and peace today. So you take the wilderness road, what then? Our story from Acts today says that once Philip was on that road, he encountered someone who was as unlike him as it is possible to be. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official, of the Kandase, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning home seated in his chariot. Now let's count the things that divide these two men. They are of different cultures. One's Ethiopian, one is a Greek-speaking Jew. They are of different races, one black, one Jewish. They come from different socioeconomic backgrounds. One is a wealthy, high-ranking government official riding in a chariot. The other is a man of more humble means traveling on foot. They're of different religions. One, a Jewish follower of Jesus. The other, a seeker. Many biblical scholars suggest that the man in the chariot probably came into contact with the small community of Jewish people who had settled in Ethiopia during the disruptions and migrations that followed the Babylonian conquest, and they guessed that he must have become curious enough about their faith to begin studying it and to travel to Jerusalem to worship at the temple and learn more. And finally, the Ethiopian was separated from Philip and from almost everyone else because he was a eunuch. In the ancient world, a certain number of young boys just entering adolescence were selected to be castrated and then trained for service in the royal and imperial courts. Why would they do that? Well, it usually wasn't the choice of the young boys. It was their family or the court or, or someone beyond themselves. 
But they created them because, as eunuchs, they could be trusted with very high levels of responsibility and access to the royal family because since they could not have children, they would not be tempted to amass a fortune or jockey for position or usurp the throne because they would have no sons who could inherit whatever fortune or position they might attain in life. So in short, these two men were so different, so divided by culture, race, religion, economic status, sexual identity, that there was no reason at all for the two of them to have any kind of personal interaction when they passed one another on that wilderness road. And yet, the spirit whispered in Philip's ear, go over to that chariot and join it. Now there are two things that are important about that command. First, that if we are going to be living offerings of Christ's grace and Christ's peace, we are going to have to be willing to reach out across some significant barriers and boundaries that our cultures impose on us. But also the trajectory, the direction of that crossing is also really important. Now listen to what the Spirit does not say to Philip. The Spirit does not say, hey, ask that guy to get out of his chariot and come and join you under the tree to discuss what he's reading. No, the Spirit says, you go over to that chariot and join it. Now this is really important. And I think that particularly for those of us in the church, we are always and forever asking people to get out of their chariots and join us in our buildings, in our programs, to further our agenda and our plans. But this story, this story shows that real transformations happen when we are willing to go over and get into someone else's chariot. We become living offerings of Christ's grace and peace when we become passionately interested in the lives and the dreams and the hopes and the questions and the pain of others and are willing to go join them where they are to learn about their lives. So if we're wondering how to be a living offering, another question we might ask ourselves is, whose chariot am I being asked to join? Who am I being asked to be passionately curious about? So the first two things that this story teaches us are necessary ingredients to being living offerings is urgency and curiosity. The story, though, I think holds at least one more clue for us. Philip goes over to the Ethiopian's chariot and engages in deep conversations about scripture and life and Jesus, and then... As they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water. And Philip baptized him. Here's the thing. If this gospel project, if this Jesus movement is to take hold back then or right now, then we have to think more about possibilities than problems. The Ethiopian asked an important question, is there anything to prevent me from being baptized? 
And he and Philip certainly could have focused on that question. They could have come up with a pretty long list of reasons why it might not be a good idea to go ahead with that baptism. One, there are certain parts of the Torah that prohibit eunuchs from full participation in the worshiping community. Do we think those still apply? Two, what will the Queen of Ethiopia do if she finds out about this? Three, the apostles haven't established any official policy or position for baptizing non-Jews yet. Maybe Philip needs to consult with Peter and the rest to see what they think before we move ahead. Four, won't this get us in even more trouble back in Jerusalem with the authorities? Five, is it okay to baptize in just any water or does it have to be the River Jordan because that's where Jesus was baptized after all? Anyone who has ever served on a committee for any kind of organization knows very well that Philip and his new friend could have come up with a long list of reasons to table the discussion about baptism until the next meeting. But they didn't. They didn't. They moved forward. They focused more on the possibilities opening up in front of them than on the problems and the issues they might encounter along the way. And so as we seek to live what we pray, that we might become living offerings of Christ's grace and peace, let us keep this story in our minds and the three things that it emphasizes as ways to live this prayer. Urgency, curiosity, possibility. And may we also, like the Ethiopian, go on our way rejoicing. Amen. During our next hymn, those who are celebrating a milestone this month, a birthday, anniversary, or another milestone, are welcome to come forward so we can pray for you and bless you during our prayer time. Mm -hmm. 